This is Stanley bringing you the sound doctrine of the Bible. Under God, I conducted sound doctrine seminars in 1997, 2007, and 2012. The talks of these seminars are now made available to you in segments of 10 to 15 minutes each. They are for your enlightenment and edification. We continue from what we saw in the previous segment. We should always interpret the Bible contextually. That is the next point I want to spend some time on. And when we talk about biblical interpretation, there is another aspect we have to look into. The context of the parallel passages. Parallel passages, related passages. It may be within or without that particular book. Now the examples that I have chosen, each one has got a doctrine behind it. So you should not just think that they are examples. When I explain one example, if you are very sensitive, you will find that I am trying to explain one particular doctrine. Book of James, second chapter, verse 20. Do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Now please keep your finger against that. Now come to Romans 4th chapter. Now keep a bookmark in uh, James 2 and then come to Romans 4. Romans 4th chapter, 4 to 6. To him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. How do you compare these two things? James speaks about faith without works as dead. But Paul says works are unnecessary. It is apart from works by faith we are justified. How do you just uh, compare these two things and bring them to a proper synchronization? Technically, in theological terms, it is called synchronizing the scriptures. James was speaking about works after justification. And Paul was writing about works before justification. Works before justification are filthy racks before God. Works after justification are proof of our faith before God. They were fixed leaves which will dry away. But the works after faith or justification are fruits that will abide. Now Paul very intelligently combines these two in the epistle to Ephesians. Second chapter 8 to 10. The concept in the epistle to Romans and that in James epistle are brought into a proper synchronization here in Ephesians second chapter. Second chapter 8 to 10. By grace you have been saved through faith 
and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. This is works before justification. Tenth verse. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are not saved by works, but we are saved for works. We are not saved by works, but we are saved for works. Saved for works. So this is a classic example of comparing scripture with scripture. For comparing scripture with scripture for difficult passages, I want to serve another example. Jacob says in Genesis 32-30 that he had seen God. Job says in Job 42-5 that his eyes had seen God. But John in John 1.18 says, No one has ever seen God. What do we understand? Jacob says he has seen God. Job says his eyes have seen God. And John says, not just no one has seen God. No one has seen God at any time. So he brings all these uh, Jacob and Job, uh, whatever J is there, everybody he brings it. No one, <laughs> never. What do we understand? Okay, now we have to go to the other passages and put this uh, conflict, ease this conflict. 1 Timothy 6th chapter, 16th word. Who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. He puts the past, present and future together. No man has seen and no man can see also. Who? God. Where is he? Dwelling in unapproachable light. So what is the meaning? No man can see God in his full glory. What Jacob saw was the manifestation of God in a limited physical form. In theology, they call it theophany. And what Job saw was the deep realization of his unworthiness and a further and deeper revelation of God's greatness. He said earlier, I have only heard about you in my ears and now my own eyes see them. So that means he comes into a deeper realization of the awesome glory and the holiness of God. Now come with me to John 1.18 and you understand it better. John 1.18 he makes such an assertive statement. No one has seen God at any time. He doesn't stop there. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, 
he hath declared him to us. Verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we behold his glory. What is the glory? The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. So in Christ, what you can see with your physical eye during his earthly sojourn, beyond that, there is no greater revelation of the glory and the brightness and the grandeur and the awesomeness and the majesty of God on this side of eternity. The rest is in heaven, which no human eye can see. What you see there in heaven, no human eye can see. What is spoken in heaven, it is unlawful for man to utter even if he comes back to earth. Man cannot utter those words. So Jacob and Job were expressing the excitement of their experiences. But Paul and John later they were writing doctrine. Jacob and Job were not writing the doctrine of whether you can see God or you cannot see God. They were excited about a visitation they had in their dreams or visions or whatever. That is not the basis for our faith. From the partial revelation through experiences, we have a fuller revelation when you come to the New Testament by direct doctrinal teaching. Before direct and fuller revelation of the doctrine of God much later, the earlier experiential knowledge should bow down. Now, that's how we put one scripture over the other scripture. That's why we believe in the progressive revelation of God from the Old Testament towards the New Testament. Finally, we left revelation when we reach the other side of eternity. God who spoke in sundry times in diverse manners through the prophet, here a line, there a line, here a little, there a little. Finally, he has spoken to us through his son, who is the final voice. No further revelation beyond Jesus Christ. That was the problem of the Colossian church. They had revelations and knowledge beyond Jesus Christ. That's why Paul was rebuking them. In him dwelt all the fullness of God bodily. You don't need to go beyond that with any speculative sciences. Now, there are some tools which you need to keep for such parallel passages, referring to parallel passages and study. Now, there is the what we call concordance of the Bible. Now, I normally use Cruden's concordance. Because this is tuned up to King James Version. But now there are so many translations, so for each translation, there is a different concordance. I have a real problem now. I have been using these Cruden's concordance so many years because I was reading King James Bible. But now I have switched over to New King James Version about five or ten years ago. 
Suppose I want to now find a verse, what will I do? I am not now tuned up to the UKJV concordance. It is there, but I am not able to use that. Why I am not able to use that? In the early days of my Christian life, meditation and memorization of the scripture, everything I done, I did with King James Version. So now I know the equivalence here, but if you want to tell one word, that comes to me, it's the old KJV word. So I continue to keep this leather-bound edition of the Crudence KJV Concordance, even though I am a user of the NKJV Bible. This is a real conflict. Now I don't know what you are going to do. So I suggest that you decide upon a translation for you as quickly as possible so that you can hold on to a concordance quickly. Otherwise, every year, as and when you are changing a translation, you have to change your concordance also. Finally, concordance will not be useful to you because you cannot use concordance. I am using NIV Bible, so I am having regular access to NIV concordance. That's how I am linking up. Is there anyone who can say that? Or NKJV? I am not surprised. Because this is a technical problem. So that is why I am now telling you to overcome. Because most of you have purchased concordances. It becomes another book in your library, in your shelf. Concordance cannot be in the shelf. Concordance must be on the table. Otherwise there is no point in buying a concordance. So please decide on a translation quickly. And get hold of the appropriate concordance for it. Keep it on your table, never shelf it. It will be permanently shelved. And we have got what we call the new treasury of scripture knowledge. This is an old edition, but it is now updated and revised and expanded. Several great revivalists of the past recommended this for their congregations because they felt during times of revival, Excitement was there, but biblical illiteracy was also rampant. Every verse in the Bible has been given at least 10 or 15 references. That's why it is called treasury of scripture knowledge. None of your study Bibles will have so much of information. This is the treasury. And if you buy this, you don't need to go in for too many study Bibles. Two great leaders of today have recommended this. One is Dr. John MacArthur. He says, the one book, apart from the Bible itself, that I value most in my studies. He is a non-Pentecostal teacher. Next one is Dr. Jack Hayford. He is an outstanding Pentecostal teacher. He has written a boundless resource for study and sermon preparation. It is this Jack Hayford who has composed and given us that excellent chorus, Majesty, it is his song. So we have got one non-Pentecostal outstanding teacher and a Pentecostal outstanding teacher, both of them together recommending this monumental work. So I sincerely recommend you to think of this book if you can ever make it. I don't know how much it's priced, but price is not a criteria.
Now this is published by Thomas Nelson Publishers. When you are using a concordance, there is a great and a grave danger. Mere similarity of words alone does not bring two passages together. Concordances will give only, you know, stone. All the stones they will put together. Sunday morning, 7.30, don't write down all the stones and go for 8.30 sermon. And if you preach that sermon, people may stone you in their service. So, that is not the way to prepare, but you have to take the senses and bring comparison and not the words. We'll continue our study in the next segment. God bless you.